head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 202 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen. With me, like every week, is the Gordon Elliott of Irish MMA media. As we break down a big week of MMA, there was lots of news, lots of fights there on Saturday. And a big week coming up. As well with UFC London just across the pond from us. Graham, Hartings, how was your weekend? We're just here after Liverpool beat Burnley. I believe it was 4-2. I missed like the last five minutes because I was setting stuff up, but there was two goals. But a good a good week for both of us in, in our uh, supporting lives, wasn't it? Uh, well, this week for Liverpool was, was not great. Like, you know, it's... It's a bad referee decision that gives Bernie a goal, but it was it was more yesterday where Man City were playing terrible and then got given a four or five yard offside <laughs> goal and changed the whole game. It's fucking terrible decision. What, what did you think of and the, the linesman? The linesman put it straight up the flag and the ref went over, even though he had about six seven bodies in between him and definitely couldn't see it and overruled the linesman. What, what did you think of the penalty Man United were given against PSG? Yeah, uh, I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, it's it's one that's not given a lot of the time, but it is a penalty. Yeah, like at first like he had enough he had enough enough room to move. It wasn't as if it was blasted at full force from a yard or anything like. Yeah, at first when it was the ball was struck straight away, I was like, oh, that's a penalty. He handballed it. Didn't they show the replays? And I wasn't too sure. But kind of watching it again during the week, like you could see he had his eyes on the ball and he kind of turned his arm towards it. I think you know. I think. I actually think it was a penalty. I know I'm very, very, very biased, but he blocked the shot. He blocked yeah, the shot with his hand. Yeah, I know. Good. Like sometimes it happens where like it hits your knee first, or it hits your thigh first, and then it hits your hand. And like I'm like, that's not a penalty. That's ball to hand. But there was enough room for him to to not do that. Yeah. It's one of them unfortunate ones though, as well. Like if it's not given, you're like, ah, fair enough as well, because yeah. because it is like a it is like a really close decision. Like mm. you know, if some refs give that, some refs don't. Yeah, that's true. The VAR, the legend. I take back everything I ever said about it. Getting Man United into the, the second <laughs> into I went to VAR, I was like, "Oh, this is so Man United." There's no yeah. way they're not giving this. It was great. It was uh, Man United are back. Legends, absolute legends. But anyway, J- Junior dos Santos is he back as well? What do you think? This this display against uh, Derek Lewis last night at UFC Wichita is Wichita even a real place? Who knows? Well, like, yeah. What, I was kind of saying. Yeah, go on. I'm saying last week that like he he looked a spent fighter after the Velasquez fights, but he's kind of made a comeback and not 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 to what he was like he's not in like you know even look at his physique he's not in the same shape or you know he's he's older now and maybe it's harder to stay in the same shape, but he's he, he looked a bit kind of shop worn a couple of two or three, three or four years ago probably now, but he seems to have kind of recovered and he's. He's not the elite heavyweight that he used to be, but he's just below there, I think. Yeah, like, I, I, I've I, been thinking about this. I was thinking about it this morning. And, like, I, I think this is only... Well, it's not only possible at heavyweight, but it's it's more likely at heavyweight than any other division. Like, if you look at Junior Dos Santos, after the beatings he got against Ken Velasquez, and he got knocked out as well a couple of times, you like, you'd been writing him off in any other division, really. But he came back. Like, you look at Overeem being knocked out, I think, like, ten times. He's come back over and over. Arlovsky came uh, back more. as well. I think, I think, I think, uh, I think like, ten years ago, uh, Alistair Overeem had been knocked out eleven times and people <laughs> yeah. were calling him for him to retire. Yeah. Uh, long long before Strike Force or UFC or anything. Like, you know, and he's been knocked out a few times since then. So he's, he's probably, like, 15 times he's been knocked out. Mm-hmm. But in the heavyweight division, it seems like you kind of peak in your late 30s. 
Yeah. Like, but in other divisions, if it doesn't feel like, but even like if you if you are in your late thirties or whatever, like other divisions it feels like, you know, if you get knocked out, like like look at Woodley last week, people are kind of writing off Woodley now. Like, oh, it's unlikely for him to come back, and I think that's probably right. Like, I think it is probably unlikely for him to come back. Like, it happens. It happens all the time. Like Damian Maya lost against Woodley, and he's lost a few fights since. Okay, got one one win back there recently, but it, it's very rare in other divisions, that people actually are rebound from, coming from almost the very top, didn't lose in a few, and didn't rebound, no, we, we did the career retrospective of Jose Aldo the other day, and, you know, if you're on Patreon, if you're not on Patreon, sign up to listen to that, because that was a re- real fun one, but, you know, he, I think that's why people rate him so highly as well, the way he's able to come back, in that Frank Edgar fight, after uh, after he uh, lost to Conor McGregor, and then coming back with two wins as well, after the, the two losses to Max Holloway, but like, at heavyweight, I don't know what it is, maybe it's just you, the ability to fight a safer game at heavyweight is maybe more there, because there are less ways to actually win fights against most of the guys you're fighting, because because they're less well-rounded, you know, they've le- just less ways to win the fight, like, <laughs> you're you're fighting Derek Lewis, okay, he could get on top of you, and, and, and he could, uh, you know, beat you from the mount, or he could land that one big shot, but it's, you know, it's, it's not like you're fighting a Chad Mendes who can who can take you down and wrestle you or knock you out uh, or, or outpoint you or whatever or really good fighters like that you know it's I think it's at heavyweight it's just kind of a different conversation and it, it's it's almost like they're outliers compared to the rest of the divisions and now that take nothing away from Junior Dos Santos or Alistair over him but I just think they have more kind of scope to get back there and get back to where they are and like for Junior Dos Santos last night I suppose getting to the fight it was it was a really really good performance. But what about Der- what did you think of Derek Lewis in this fight? Like, <laughs> I, I want to get your um, takes on the first because I I give mine after. What did you think of his performance? It's very Derek Lewis. Like he he got hit with a body shot. Usually it's his back he's complaining about, mm-hmm. but it's uh, this time it was I don't know his ribs or his abdomen or yeah. He got hit with some body shot anyway, and he, he nearly actually got the knockout. It was nearly very Derek Lewis. Like, w- when that was happening, when he landed that big shot on Junior, as Junior m- moved in to kind of try and finish, you're thinking, oh, this could be, this could be a, like, deja vu for another Derek Lewis fight. But I don't know. He just doesn't seem to take punishment that well. Or when, it's, when he gets tired, he kind of starts moaning and is... <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know how he's won so many fights <laughs> when you watch a fight. Do you reckon it's real or fake? Like, is he actually hurt or is he just faking it all the time when it comes to the body like that? He probably did get hurt to the body, but I think most fighters w- would just kind of like put on a game face and just not try to show it, but he just shows it. Mm-hmm. If I don't know. I really am not sure. Like, it's it feels like it's fake because that first time he got hit to the body... He just threw that right hand straight away perfectly. Like it, it was like he wasn't hurt at all. And then he went back all the game. Scott Smith, who was Scott Smith fighting that time? Uh, yeah, uh, God, who was that? Or, um, oh, no, Pete, Pete Sell, wasn't Pete it? Sell. Pete, Pete Sell, yeah. Pete Sell hurt him to the body, moved in, and he just got cracked with a big right hand. Yeah. He, but <laughs> Lewis does it so often now that JDS kind of read it. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Okay, he got, he got caught once or twice maybe because of it. But a lot of times he didn't get caught. But we'll get back to that in a second. Like for me, this Derek Lewis performance for the first, I think it was three minutes, was like the best Derek Lewis performance we've ever seen in the UFC. He looked way better than he's ever looked before for three minutes. He was throwing a beautiful step-in counter left hook. He was throwing a body kick. He was throwing leg kicks. He was stepping away much quicker than he normally does. He wasn't just waiting on the back, waiting for that one big shot. It was This was perfect. This was absolutely perfect Derek Lewis performance. Then he gets hit to the body, and he, he plays possum for a little bit, or maybe he doesn't. 
and then he counters him. Like, and that was brilliant. And if he could have added those two things together, he would have been brilliant. But the second he got hit to the body and played possum and hit, uh, hit JDS with that one big shot, he just completely reverted to type. And now maybe it was because he was injured or whatever, but he was standing on the back foot just waiting for uh, JDS to come in telegraphing that big right hand and now look we, we've seen in the past it's worked for him but i think Derek lewis had improved an awful lot in the start of that fight and was doing it against you know one of the best technical f boxers in the in the whole ufc in the heavy one the best ever probably in the heavyweight division junior dos santos and he was doing it really really well but it all went out the <laughs> it all went out the window as soon as it turned into a brawl and now maybe that was his plan to kind of give jds a little bit of um you know, a little bit of heart in that, okay, I'm going to make this a technical boxing match, I'm going to strike with JDS, I'm going to try to counter him, and get JDS into that kind of mould that he's going to fight in that way, and then change it and turn it into a brawl, and, okay, that's that's probably a wise enough game plan, and, okay, it didn't work out for him, so you can't cri criticise him too much, but I think he was actually doing well enough in the kind of technical fight to keep going that way, and to try to re-establish it okay he got injured but he came out in the second round and he looked okay again after that uh the body wasn't didn't seem to be bothering him too much now jds went to it again and he was kind of when he was jabbing to, to the body he looked okay you know he looked uh, a bit uh, uh you know a bit scared isn't the word but a bit tentative you know because he was already hurt there but to me like I, I've always been very critical critical isn't the right word but I've, I've always talked about Derek Lewis and you know he's not the best um, technical fighter in the world and JDS is obviously worlds above him and class really did show in this fight but I think it, I think it was a really good performance from Derek Lewis and I think it gives him heart for the future if he's fighting other guys like this I think he can fight him in that fashion where he fights kind of technically he tries to throw his his big left hand and tries to catch him inside and then when it turns into a brawl have a brawl but re-establish it again like do, do you think Derek Lewis can fight in that fashion or do you think he'll always be that brawler that he kind of turns into <laughs> when the going gets tough well I think I think it's good to have that as an option as well for him you know because yeah. In a lot of fights, he's kind of standing there with his hands on his hips or his hands on his knees. So it's definitely good. It's definitely good to have that option. But I think against most heavyweights, just slugging it out with them will, will work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just as you get to the, the upper echelon that he's he obviously tried to kind of be a bit more technical against JDS because he thought he, in his camp or somebody in his team or him came up with a game plan of, of we're gonna we're gonna have to and, and as we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to be a bit more technical here. And as you said, it was it was working quite well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, actually, I don't know. This is uh, when he got poked in the eye. I thought, oh, maybe he'll kind of exaggerate this, and this might go on for a while. But in fairness to him, he was just like, no. Nah. He wiped it on Herb Dean's T-shirt pretty funnily, and then just went on like so. Like, kind of Derek Lewis is one of them guys where he's not quite as bad as Alex or as uh, Charles Oliveira. But when something happens, you think, oh, this could be the end of the fight, or something. Something could happen here. You know, this could. We normally, like, if a guy gets poked in the eye, you think uh, the fight will go on. But when when Derek Lewis did, I was like, oh, this might be uh, the end of the fight. But in fairness to him, he, he fought on. Yeah. Maybe because he was doing so well, and if he had been doing badly, maybe he would he wouldn't have fought on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this this was like a, a a real fight of like contradictions because it was as I mentioned with, with Lewis and with, with JDS, there was a lot of class technical fighting, and then there was a bit of what you kind of kind of mentioned there, you know, a bit of tomfoolery with the okay, the eye poke was bad, but he was. 
I, I don't know if he was playing it up, but he, but he could have done it that way. And, and the body body the body shot as well, where he was kind of, you know, he wasn't playing it up. And, you, you know, you said it exactly right. And I was thinking about that as well earlier. Like, uh, Paul Felder, I think, was saying it on, on the commentary that, you know, he got hit with a, you know, he's got hit with shots like that, obviously, in the past and to the solar plexus and they've hurt, but he tries to kind of hide it. But Derek Lewis just doesn't bother trying to hide it, you know, and it turns into a bit of, uh, like, an odd fight. And Derek Lewis is one of those guys that he kind of, he's not too afraid of that. Like, he doesn't mind this turning into kind of an odd... It's kind of like, like you know, a person who doesn't, like, not a top-level fighter would react to getting hit hard by a fighter in the yeah. body. <laughs> like, if, like, just a guy from the public was like, oh, here, JD has hit me with a body shot. That's how he'd yeah. react. <laughs> that is it, yeah. You often see Mark Hunt, like, kicking lads in the leg and punching them in the stomach and they react like that. But, yeah, fair play. I mean, look, and I suppose in the class, as well told near the end, like, that finish was absolutely brilliant. If you Like, if you watch JDS, it was it was clear in the second round that Lewis was, was protecting his body more uh, than he normally would, obviously, because it was hurt. And he was, it wasn't that he was dropping his hands totally, but he was kind of he was dropping him and lifting him at the same time, kind of, because he, he was worried, obviously, about the head. You know, when you open up that body, or when you when you cover the body, it opens up the head and vice versa. So, JDS, what he did, you know, they, they showed the um, they showed the, the replay in slow motion afterwards. And what he did was, he kind of faked to the body, and then he came right up over the top with the jab. And instead of kind of throwing the jab, he threw a slap to Derek Lewis and slapped him right in the face and kind of blinded him. So all Derek Lewis could see was that <laughs> was that palm in his face. And then he came over the, the top with the right hand right in behind it and obviously hurt him pretty badly. I thought it was a very, very good stoppage as well by Herb Dean. He gave, um, he gave Derek Lewis time to recover and JDS obviously landed with a lot of big shots on the ground and everything like that. But, you know... It, to me, it was it was a good fight. It was probably a better fight than than maybe I expected from from both guys, really. But you know, for Junior DeSantis, obviously, it, it was a, a really good win, and that's three in a row now after beating uh, Taito Ivasa and Blagoy Ivanov. Like, uh, you know, the question obviously then is what's next for JDS? Like, t- to me, in at heavyweight because it's so disjointed and so many people lose. It's almost like it's easier to match Derek <laughs> Derek Lewis now than it is JDS. But what about? JDS versus Francis Ngannou. Do you think that makes a bit of sense? Yeah, I think it does. I think um, Francis kind of earned a, uh, a step up again after a really, uh, we talked about it before, like a really, really poor comeback after his first loss. Yeah. And you, you're kind of thinking maybe, oh, he needs, to, he needs like a couple of years maybe, you know, because he's only been training for, what, three or four years. But mm-hmm. then he comes back and has two really dominant performances. Uh, and knockouts and you think okay maybe he is ready because as you say there's the heavyweight division's kind of all over the place always like it, it's really I think Stipe has the most defences in, in three is it? Yeah something like that very, yeah, very yeah, few so, like you know it's, it, the belts change hands a lot like um, because guys have big power like somebody like Derek Lewis can be losing every second of, of a round and then just land one huge punch and win the fight mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's a bit more volatile up there so you kind of can just throw guys together. There's, there's kind of less rhyme and reason than, or there's less re- reasoning behind, or like, say, for example, in the in the lower divisions, you can kind of just look at the rankings and be like, oh, this guy's been on this streak. He deserves it, or he's been on an eight-fight winning streak. But yeah. there's, there's nothing really like that in, in heavyweight. Everybody's losing, winning. If guys do have big win streaks, they're usually kind of up-and-comer guys from outside the UFC. And uh, I don't really see... 
I don't really see them given given JDS and Open Comer next. So I think yeah, I think Nganu does make sense. You could also give him Curtis Blades, but I think that's a step down. Yeah. Like the weird thing about this is like JDS's three five win streak now, and I mentioned the, the lads he's beat, not like not the upper echelon of the division. And then, you know, Francis has beat Kane, okay, Kane is upper echelon, but Kane is is that the same Kane as, as we you know, we we've always known. He beat Curtis Blades as well. Like but the thing about it is, you could argue for both of those guys deserving a title shot, and obviously, you know, um, Steve might deserve a title shot as well as you mentioned. He was the the winningest UFC heavyweight champion of all time, and then you've the whole Brock Lesnar scenario as well. So it's it looks like you know it's going to be. How many uh, win streak is Alonek on? Alonek, <laughs> God Almighty, him, he must be on a few now. Is he? Hold on, let me let me see if I can pull up your truck. Like, uh, did did he lose recently? I don't know. But anyway, like the, the, the problem with here is with this is it looks like Daniel Cormier is waiting for that big money fight. You know, maybe one or two more fights, and you know he'll probably come back again. But you know he, uh, this retirement thing, um, and that will either be Brock Lesnar probably or or, or uh, John Jones. So it's you're looking at these lads and you're thinking, okay, what's what's the best alternative here? Should you sit out? Wait for Daniel Cormier. Maybe he can't get one of those two big fights and try to get a fight with him. Um, or do you wait for Daniel Cormier to announce his fight? Didn't try to get on that card, so you're kind of lined up to be the next contender. And even if that happens, is that even a wise thing to do? Because Daniel Cormier mightn't fight you anyway. So it's these lads are in a very very difficult situation. You know, we saw the same sort of situation at the start of the year with with the lightweight division and before with the featherweight division with McGregor leaving and Aldo getting the you know the the uh, interim belt and stuff like that this this situation is popping up an awful lot you know more more regularly now and in heavyweight maybe you can take more of a risk in heavyweight because it's easier to get back to the title you know Junior DeSantis as we mentioned two fights and now he's back in the title picture already so maybe if he did take the Francis fight and won it you know he's almost guaranteed to get the fight then I think to get the, the championship match whether it's a championship match for a vacant belt or Daniel Cormier or whatever and the same probably goes for Francis and if they lose they can kind of work their way back pretty quickly as well and you know uh, Derek Lewis then I suppose I think Derek Lewis versus Ken Velasquez makes a lot of sense I think that fight you know both lads coming off of a loss both you know towards the, the the top 10 of the division there I think that fight makes a lot of sense as well so you know the heavyweight division is you know it's kind of one isn't it where anything could happen anyone could <laughs> you could fight anyone everyone's kind of coming off of a loss or like one win in a row so it's uh it's a difficult one I suppose to, to predict in terms of, of matchmaking but a lot of fun fights there at the same time anyway um the comment event in. She's a serious, a serious rainstorm just broke out here sure. earlier earlier on this morning. It was uh, it was sunny and then it was windy and then it was snowing and now it's like a then it was sunny again and now it's a, a rainstorm. Oh, Jesus, the Irish. <laughs> I was actually thinking of it there at the start of the podcast. The rain was baiting against the window here and I was like, God Almighty! Will, yeah, can you hear that? <laughs> I can't hear it. No, but you might be able to hear it on, on the recording. If we are, apologies anyway. But it's it's pretty bad here. It's all it? out, yeah. Yeah, I I tried to close my curtains because it masked the sound and stuff here. But um, hopefully, hopefully. I can't hear it too bad anyway, but if it is, uh, apologies. Um, Zalecki, do, we need we need to think of a name for Il- Ilizau Zalecki dos Santos to make a chart. <laughs> I think Easy dos Santos. Zali. E- Zali. Zali. <laughs> oh, what about Easy? Easy dos Santos. Easy. If he was Irish and he, if he was living in Ireland and he had Irish friends when he was young, he'd probably just be called Zali. Zali. Okay, we'll talk on him, Zali. <laughs> Zali came in here and he took out Curtis Melinder really easily. 
I mean really, yeah. really easily. He just he just threw kicks to the body, threw kicks to the legs, waited for the big shot to come from Curtis Melinder, ducked underneath it, took him down, and submitted him with a rear naked choke. A really good performance, wasn't it? Against Curtis Melinder, who was a very, very good fighter. Yeah, it was uh, It was dominant, as you said. It was, it was like a half guillotine attempt that he had to kind of fend off, and that, the rest of it was domination. And it was a, it was a nice rear naked choke finish. And... Uh, Curtis Melander is like no joke. Like, you know, we ran through him like he was nothing, but like it was a decent test uh, on paper. Um, but as you said, he made it look easy. He just, he just dominated. And that Dacky 18 attempt, I think, was was more like just kind of clutching the straws from Melander. Yeah. And like he's, he's a guy that we were kind of talking about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to get noticed in divisions like welterweight and and lightweight and stuff like that. Like he's beaten Omari Akhmadov, Kaito Nakamura, Lyman Good, Max Griffin, Sean Strickland, uh, Luigi Vindarami, and now Curtis Melinder all in a row after a very very close uh, decision win. His UFC or decision loss, sorry, to Nicholas Dalby, who we'll who we'll talk about later on in in his uh, in his UFC debut. Like it's it's seven wins in a row i think it is that that's mad to think about in in the ufc you know and he's not even talked about as, as a contender or he's not even talked about in the in the top five or six now there there was a bit a bit of talk about him last night and i think you know gunner nelson and, and leon edwards are fighting next week and i think the winner of that which we, we you know we'll get to later that could be a good fight for him just because it's kind of more of a name and more of a, a known entity you know both guys you know wh- whoever wins that but it's you know, Lecky's a good fighter, isn't he? He's no joke. It's hard to know who to give him. Like, you know, he, he, some of these Brazilian guys come in with, like, you know, a lot of wins on the, yeah. on the Brazilian circuit and you're like, oh, uh, he, he kind of comes in and, you know, he, he wins a decision or two, like, you know, or loses his first fight by decision and then has a few decisions, including a split decision over Lyman Good, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. But then they kind of make improvements, you know, with Sean Strickland. Is a, is a guy who's really hard to look good against. You know, he comes out and makes the fight look terrible a lot of the time. It looks like a sparring session. He came out there and styled on him with a with a, a hook kick. Um, and then he comes out and lands lands a flying knee finish in his next fight. And then he comes out here and just completely dominates Curtis Melander. Like sometimes, sometimes guys just turn a corner and it kind of clicks together. And obviously, we'll need to see him step up again. But he looks like he's kind of putting it all together. Yeah, he definitely does. If, like you look at his record, you might think oh, he's very experienced, and he and, and like, he, but a lot of his fights are jungle fights against guys with like not great records or guys maybe you haven't even heard of. Mm-hmm. But these guys that now in, in Strickland and uh, Melender are definitely definitely guys that he, he kind of known quantities that he's gone out there and dominated. So, uh, yeah, he he could. I'm not sure what age he is actually. What is he? Let me just check. He's, he's thirty-two. Yeah. yeah, so he's not—he's he's not too old. Like you know, he—he he could make a—he can make a run at a, at a belt, but I, I don't really see it happening. He, he'd have to make even more strides. But we, we've seen guys do that. Like if, even if you looked at somebody like Tyrone Woodley mm-hmm. at, at this age, you know, another guy in his division, he was like losing to Nate Marquardt and in, in strike force and stuff like that, and people kind of never thought he'd be—he'd be where where he was. Obviously, he just lost his belt, but he was—he was a champion for a few years there, and. I'm not saying uh, Zali <laughs> Zali can do that, but uh, but he can definitely he can definitely cause a lot of trouble for uh, a lot of fighters. Yeah. And if he keeps improving like he like he does, then who knows? The hardest thing is you know you you hit on it there. The hardest thing in MMA to do is actually like to put everything together. Like he's a really good guy on the ground, but to adjust your striking to get the fight to the ground or to get you know 
to get moments where you can get the fight to the ground, that's very, very hard because guys coming in are trying to stop you from doing that. You know, so the way he did that against Melinda, who's a very good fighter, throwing those body kicks, throwing those leg kicks, and then kind of baiting the shot out of him and coming in underneath, like thinking, getting Melinda thinking, this is this is a striking match. I'm going to strike with this guy. I'm going to win this fight. And oh, no, underneath, taking down, and the fight's over. That's really, really smart. And something like a guy like Damian Maya could really never do. He Now, he changed and did it different ways, but I think this is probably the best way to do it. And if you can, you know, if you can become really good in one way, and use that to get the fight to where you're t uh, top of the elite. That's that's a dangerous proposition for anyone. So, uh, Lecky, Lecky's the man. Legend. Uh, what about this Nico Price Tim Means fight? This was... How did this not win fight at night? This this was really, really fun. Um, Even a few slaps thrown in. <laughs> yeah, there was a few slaps thrown in, actually. Like... Tim Means, I I was you know I I was watching his fight and watching it and watching on re I I actually I didn't see it live because where did, I don't know something happened I had to go anyway and I watched it back, and uh, I was like, how how did Nico Price win this fight? I was like Tim Means is just destroying him here. He's beating him, beating him, beating him, hitting him with the left hand, hitting him with the left hand, hitting him with the left hand, and boom, over the top with the right hand. Like this was all about. Nico Price's durability and his ability to stay in there, and not just his ability to stay in there, but his ability to be alive. You know, guys can stay in there and they can survive and they can survive and they can survive. But he was there and he was his eyes were open, he was wide awake, he was okay, he was getting hurt, he was getting rocked. But his ability to recover and his chin was was unbelievable. You know, the lads were talking about him uh, on commentary, cutting less weight, and I think he moved up in weight for this fight. You know, that's always. That's always going to help you as well when you're getting into these dark moments after taking five or six big shots. And he just landed that beautiful right hand. There was nothing, you know, there was there was nothing too fancy about it. Tim Tim Means was coming in. He was too open, too wide, thought he was going to finish uh, Price. And Price just came over the top with a right hand and knocked him out. And poor Tim Means looked like he broke his ankle on the way down as well. Landed horrifically on it as well. So, brilliant. Ate a few hammer fists as well. Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. It was just... <laughs> that that durability isn't something we often see and you know not just durability but the durability and his ability to kind of keep his head when all around him is whatever that quote is from your man from uh, uh, Mike Bassett the manager don't know yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a good good performance anyway wasn't it yeah it was it was very well it was it started off well uh, it was a very good fight it started off well for for him and he got taken down then quite easily but he kind of I think maybe the slaps kind of riled him up a little bit yeah <laughs> made him want to kind of stand in the pocket and trade and usually that doesn't really work out but Tim Means is kind of doing it too so it was kind of well, somebody was going to go down but it, it did look like Tim Means was kind of getting the better of the striking as you mentioned but uh, yeah just hit got hit on the button and went went out and ate a couple of coffin nails or a few coffin nails mm -hmm. Um so that's the, that's the the roll of the dice you're taking when you're, you're slugging away like that. Yeah, it definitely is. A uh, few more fights in on, on the card. Blood guy, Ivanov, and Ben Rotwell. I, I thought Rotwell had won that. It, it wasn't a robbery by any means, but Rotwell definitely won the, the third round. And I just thought in the first couple, okay, I saw, I think it was Zane Simon was making the argument that Ivanov was landing big, heavy shots, and people kind of got fooled into thinking because Rotwell was pushing forward, he was winning the fight. And I, I agree with him in that assessment of fights normally but in this one I, I think it was I think Rottwell was actually doing enough when he was going forward and he was landing as big if not bigger shots than Ivanov and he was pushing forward as well now it was yeah. it was a very very close showing the yeah. damage a little bit more on his face might as yeah. sometimes sway the judges as well mm -hmm. and the thing about it is like 
in the third in Ivanov charted showing a little bit more and I know the rounds are scored after or during every round so the, the third is an influence on the first and second but I don't know it was just it wasn't a bad decision by any means but I think like the top top judges probably scored this for for Rotwell but you know may, maybe I'm wrong <laughs> wrong on that as yeah. well who knows oh, yeah, I, I had it for Rotwell as well but yeah. it was it was close enough that like you you weren't you weren't like oh he's definitely won that. Mm-hmm. what about my boy Benil Darius team Sheehan doing it for yeah. me again I don't he, know um, he's just he, every time he gets hit you're just like oh yeah. my god he's he's about to go down mm-hmm. but he managed to stay on his feet this time but I don't know Drew Dober is like a pretty kind of basic fighter like for for a UFC fighter he doesn't really I don't know if if, if if you're getting cracked by him and rocked by him, I, I think all hope of, of Benil Darius being being a proper contender ever. You can't you can't be that that chinny and and fight the, the top guys in such a stacked division like lightweight. Yeah, I, I actually agree. Like it's it's unfortunate because I think he's so skilled and so good that he could be one of the top fighters in the world. But he, you know, <laughs> he's he's like a chalk ice, You know. He's beautiful when you look at him first. Take the first bite and he's unreal. But then give it five minutes and he just melts away. <laughs> he's, he's like that. He just is. He's just... He's, he's... Who takes who takes five minutes to eat a chalk ice? What are you talking about? No, but if you Got leave him it there. 25 seconds. <laughs> That's a good point. That's what he needs to do. He needs to finish lads at 25 seconds. But like, when, uh, Darius strikes well. He hits very hard. He's knockout power. His wrestling is excellent. His jiu-jitsu is top, top level. And you put all those things together and he's still like... He's still a fighter who's like on the edge of a cliff at mm. all times. You're just he's also a bit lax or something. He's a bit too relaxed or something. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't really have that killer in. I don't know, mate. Like he doesn't have that ag- aggression or something. There's something missing. I think. Yeah, I like. I think when he, I think he does have that de- aggression, but he's better off not using it because when he does use it, he gets, just gets knocked out straight away. And that's you know he needs to be smarter. I think, and he's trying to do that. And he was in in the end of this fight. And it, when even when he got hit in this fight and hurt. You know, he was stepping away and, and he was using his, his intelligence. And I think that's the best way for him to fight. But, like, the thing about Benil Dariush is it, it's un- very unfortunate for him because everyone knows him now. He's, he's you know, he's not a puzzle anymore. He's been he's been found out. Like, the way to fight Benil Dariush, and this might may sound very basic and, you know, you could say this for anyone maybe, but you just go forward and throw combinations and hit him. That's it. You know, try, try to hit him on the chin. Like, like... That's a very basic thing to say, but when you're fighting other lads, let's say you're fighting, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov, you're you're not just thinking about going forward hitting him and chin. You're thinking about his wrestling. You're thinking about him taking the shots. You're thinking about loads of different things. Same goes for you know all fighters. But with Darius, when his chin is like that, you know you could be losing, you know, 14 minutes of that fight, and it just takes one shot. You know, or you could be losing badly for the first three minutes, and it just takes one shot, and the whole fight's gone. Like that's the thing with Darius, and that's what he's going to have to deal with. Now, maybe he can use that to his to his advantage as well, because he knows what guys will be doing. He knows guys will be just coming in, going headstrong, you know, balls out to, to try to knock him out, and maybe he can use his wrestling a little bit more because of that. But you know, I I, I still think Benil Darius. Has the scope to be a, a great, great fighter, but you know he just has, he just has that one fatal flaw. He has that off switch located just below his mountain, just above his neck, which is always going to be a, be a problem for him. But um, otherwise, on the card here, uh, or Mary Akhmedov, Tim Boch, not a classic. Tim Boch losing that one again. Anthony Rocco Martin. Rocco Martin. Does, does Anthony Martin have any friends like? 
well, to tell him stop calling well, himself Anthony Rocco. Martin now is Tony Martin for years and yeah. then it's oh, no. like Andrew Andrew Cole and Andy Cole. No, but he's he's not Anthony either. He's Rocco. No, he wants people to call him Rocco, Rocco Martin, or just Rocco. He's like fucking Seal or Shar. Just... Or the Edge. <laughs> <laughs> call me the Edge. The Edge. Yeah, God Almighty. Has anyone? Has he any friends? Like, imagine if you just started going around calling yourself. Maybe fucking... it's just pissed. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe there are. <laughs> maybe he's just laughing. He's just like this fucking. Well, I don't know. He seems. He seems like the most cringe man of all time. He caught like a terrible promo as well after his fight. And, you know, he's a good fighter because he beat Sergio Moraes. Sergio Moraes is no joke. So you know, he's a good fighter, but he just seems very, very cringy and. Yeah, look, fair play to him. Yana Kunitskaya as well, one against Marion or no, not, not the greatest yeah. fight in the world. Grant Dawson, he looks like a good prospect coming through here, doesn't he? Laying on yeah, top Junior of Rosen Junior is an Rosen. awkward guy like, mm-hmm. to, to fight, like he can cause problems for people, but he's pretty... Uh, Grant Dawson, uh, it's hard to tell with a young record and a young guy coming in in, a, in a, another stack division of 145 how, how far these guys can go, but uh, you know, he's, he's putting guys away before he came to the UFC in... in all his fights, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and then he came in here and got a decision. So maybe, like, maybe there's a bit of nerves there as well. Maybe he'll look even better when he when he comes back again. Like he looked good in uh, Dana White's contender series, got a got a rear naked choke. So <laughs> he's one to look out for, but it's it, it's hard to know. Like you know, he's not exactly top level Julian Rosa. Like he's people know who he is because of the ultimate fighter and, and the Paddy Pimda fight and stuff and he is awkward and he, and he can cause trouble but he's not exactly top level so it's it's a good win in your first fight in the UFC it's good to get three five minute rounds in when you, you haven't done that before uh, especially at the top level so it's hard to know what where he can go but early days and a stacked division we'll see how it goes look the, the, <laughs> the judges had a unanimous decision for, for Grant Dawson I actually had it for Paddy Pimlet but <laughs> Yeah, Maurice Green and Jeff Hughes was one of the most frustrating fights I've ever watched because Maurice Green couldn't jab even though he's about nine foot tall. Um, Match <laughs> <laughs> Match Nell and Lewis Mocha was a, a great fight. Match Nell with a really really good win. Danger. Mocha, like what? Like what happened to him? I don't know what happened. Smoka, he went out of the UFC and won like four fights, and then he came back and he just got beat. But like, yeah. I, I think Match Nell. But he looked like he had so potential. You were you yeah. were talking about him being a potential title contender and like some other people were as well. And he, and the kind of the situations that he kind of flourished in before and now he's getting submitted there so mm-hmm. it's, it's just i don't know it's maybe maybe it was uh maybe it was just kind of nice style match was for him and people got overexcited but i think he had some kind of drinking problems or some kind of he i think he talked about it before he had some kind of he kind of took his eye off the ball a bit so I'm, he comes back obviously match Chanel, Chanel's a good fighter but he's not you know he's not top level so i, I think people People can kind of nearly write off Louis Smoke as as a ever making it back to the. And he's to in the, he's in one thirty five now top. as well, and you know himself and both of them I think want to fight at one twenty five, you know. But you know it's yeah maybe you can write him off, but but who knows? He's always going to be an exciting fun fighter to watch anyway, so I have no problem with him sticking around. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's always good scrambles and yeah. transitions in his fights. He's he's always good to watch, and mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think. People got excited about him. Kind of, obviously, he wasn't really meant to main event UFC Dublin against Paddy Pimble. It just kind of happened that way. But Paddy Hulan, Paddy Hulan, sorry, yeah. and um, kind of happened that way. It was, and it was a big kind of fun fight, though. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was, a, it was a big spot for him, and it was a good fight, and it was a good win for him. And mm-hmm. you kind of thought he might go on, and you know he'd beaten Neil Siri as well. So you're you're thinking, oh, he's beaten some tough guys here. But it just kind of all fell apart. Neil Siri's a tough guy. Since when? What are you talking about? 
What? <laughs> Nothing. I just like a Neil Siri there. Let's let's go. Oh, okay. Um before we get to the UFC London, um Cage Warriors had a card this weekend in Copenhagen. It was a pretty good card from all accounts. I only caught the kind of the top two fights. Very close fight between uh, Sarnbach and Morgan. Shadi uh, for the interim featherweight title and Nicholas Dalby versus Alex Lahori was a very, very good fight as well. Like Nicholas Dalby is a guy, you know, he beat uh, Lecky, as you, as you call him, uh, by, by a split decision. And like, this was a really good performance against Alex Lahore. You know, he came out, put on the pressure, and got the got the knockout of Alex Lahore. Um, I think it was in you know uh, in the mid part of the fight. Like to me, Nicholas Dalby is a guy who could who could get back to the UFC. Now he's not the best fighter in the world by any means, and I don't think he's ever going to be like a a ranked UFC fighter or anything. But I always I always rated Nicholas Dalby. I think he's a he's a very very good fighter and. You know, he's a guy who, who. Do you think he's a guy who could make his way back to the UFC? You know, obviously he's holding the belt now in Cage Warriors, but uh, you know, with a few more wins, maybe he can get back in the UFC. Yeah, I think it was kind of surprising enough that he got cut because yeah. he's, you know, they do European cards and he's, he's a. Uh, He's known from the Cage Warriors days. So he, like the, the, the fights he lost in the UFC or didn't win in the UFC was like a great fight against, a close fight against Darren Till that was a majority draw. Then he lost a decision to Cummings and Peter Sabata, which obviously isn't great. And then a split decision but um, in his next fight against Petr, Petr Solly. But, you know, he, he's gone out there and he's beaten um, Philip Mulpitter, uh, Alex Lahore and another guy who was who was undefeated at the time. So, like, you know, he's he's better than the, the guys on the local scene. He, we had the Cage Warriors belt before he left for the UFC. He has it again. So, yeah, I think I think he should be in the UFC. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of uh, Nicholas Dalby, a man who he has fought in Ireland, in Dublin, is Darren Till. And he fights Jorge Masvidal at the top of uh, UFC's return to London this weekend. Like to me, watching their fights before we did the podcast here, they're two very, very similar fighters in that they're kind of very Muay Thai stylists, love to love to box over the top. Uh, Masvidal kind of leads with that front leg and makes it awkward for you, kind of breaks up your rhythm all the time. And Darren Till is kind of a very much a kind of a rhythm fighter where he... It's, it's funny the way Darren Till fights. He's like, his two hands kind of go in unison and they go down and up and down and up and then he strikes and then it goes down and up and strikes. And it's, it's very odd the way he fights. Now, if Masvidal, if Masvidal can kind of break that rhythm by, you know, by using that front leg, by hitting those little kicks to the knee... Uh, it could be a difficult night for Darren Till, but I always looking at you this. Think? Nah, it could be, but looking at looking at this fight, looking at both guys, that kind of old adage that the good big guy always beats the good little guy is is the one that's gonna come true here. Yeah. I, I just tar- think Darren Till will be too big, too tall. His reach will be too long. He'll be able to win the jabbing battle, and if you beat Masvidal in a jabbing battle, you beat Masvidal really because you know he what he's great at is boxing. He's very good. Uh, jab very good at coming in behind it with with the right hand, but I don't think he I don't think that's a viable way to win against Darren Till. You know he's beaten almost everyone he's ever fought in in that fashion. Now okay Woodley hit him with a big right hand and that's always that's always the case. But he's thinking about the wrestling there as well when he's fighting Woodley. Uh, but yeah I I I, I would favor Till, but I, I think it'll be a good fight. I think it'll probably be three or four rounds of of back and forth boxing, and I think. Uh, Till will dominate. It might even go to a decision. What, what way do you think it'll go? Um, I think Till will win. I've always thought Masvidal was like, overrated, to be honest. But he does have a kind of way of, like, all his fights are close. But I, I think... 
I think Darren Hill will have too much. Like, I think Masvidal's going to need to get takedowns to beat Hill, like, especially over five rounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to be able to get them. If he is going to be able to get takedowns, I don't think it's going to be easy for him to get them. And I think he's going to need a lot of them, and it's not really his game. But I think Darren Hill will use will use his size and range and power and probably TKO him at some stage and maybe the third or fourth round. Yeah, like, I was thinking about the wrestling. I was watching a couple of, of Masvidal's all fights, and the wrestling is definitely he's something he can go to. He's a very good defensive wrestler as well, and I don't, I don't think Till will be taking him down at any stage. But, yeah, it's just the size. Like, you know, Masvidal is a former lightweight. Till is, is almost certainly a future middleweight. There's a big Let's see how Till looks, though, on the scale and stuff yeah. as well. He might be a mess again. That is true. Like, and that, that as well, if he does look bad. And Five rounds. Masvidal is hitting him with lots of jabs right through the middle. That's a thing that can fucking drain you too and you know it's 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 an interest it's more interesting fight and i think we gave it credit for when when it was first announced i I think it's a good fight and you know even if till does win it and dominate in the fashion i think he probably will i still think it'll be a good fight because masvidal i think he's an overrated fighter as well i think he he does awful well to get into kind of these big spots but he is still a a tough nasty matchup for a lot of guys and will never ever give you an easy fight so you know i'm I'm looking forward to that and it, it should be fun i think Leon Edwards versus Gunnar Nelson is kind of the opposite to that, isn't it? it? I expect this to be more of a, maybe not a dynamic fight, but more of a kind of a close fight. You know, Leon Edwards hits very hard. He's a good wrestler, good against the cage as well. We know what Gunnar Nelson is like, you know, a very dynamic striker and unbelievable jiu-jitsu artist when it hits the ground. I find this one very, very hard to call watching kind of both of their fights. How, do you, have you kind of a clear winner in your head or do you think it'll be close as well? I think it's going to be close. Like, Leon Edwards only lost in, what, five years is a, a decision to Usman. That's I mean, like, we, like, obviously, Usman's a bit better now than he was then, but he was still a, a serious force to deal with when he when they fought. Um, and Edwards, okay, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been beating the very top guys until he fought Donald Cerrone, but he's been pretty dominant, and he had a good win over uh, Tumanov, who's a good fighter. Like, Barbarina's a good fighter. Vincent, Vincent Luque is a good fighter. So like like these are good wins. They're not top level wins, and I think Gunnar Nelson's jiu-jitsu is definitely going to be much better. And if it hits the ground, it'll, it'll probably be a, a, a rear naked choke or a body lock, and then a rear naked choke, but body triangle and a rear naked choke. But uh, if Leon Edwards can, yeah, I think he needs to push Gunnar Nelson back. And Gunnar Nelson sometimes is a little bit too too not eager, but a little too happy to play the the kind of striking game and not go for the takedown and. That could cause trouble for him, but Gunnar Nelson's striking is underrated, and he does have some. He can whip out a, pre- a precision shot, like he's he's known as a ground guy for good reason. But he, he's shown in the past against good guys like Brandon Thatch is a, is a good striker, and um, he, he he dominated him on the on the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Joban's a, a good fighter. He, he dropped him before he choked him as well, I, I believe. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, so he's like he's not. You know, a lot of guys who are so good on the ground, like like for example, Damian Maya, are, are terrible on the feet. But Gunnar Nelson isn't isn't like that. So I probably favour Gunnar Nelson here. But Leon Edwards does have ways to win. But I just think that jiu-jitsu is just probably there's probably going to be a sequence where Gunnar Nelson manages to, to get on the back at some stage. I, I don't think Leon, Leon Edwards is a big knockout guy. But we've seen Gunnar Nelson come out before and look really kind of laid back and relaxed and too relaxed and not really make anything happen and. That's kind of the way that Leon Edwards could just win a win a unanimous decision that way. But so there's definitely ways to win. But I, I 
Lean Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, I, I just maybe just lean to Leon Edwards. I think, it, you know, this, I, I agree with you. I think a decision for Leon Edwards is probably the most likely thing in this fight. When you're fighting a guy like Gunnar Nelson, you know, who can hit hard and has one-punch knockout power and is, is a, a kind of a crafty striker and, you know, he's... he's uh, his, his jiu-jitsu was unreal. But, like, to me, it's always been that middle part of the game has, has always been the kind of the weakness for Gunnar Nelson. It, you know, it's he's a really good striker, really good jiu-jitsu player, but it's getting it the middle bit, getting into the striking where he can land his striking, getting the fight to the ground where he can use his jiu-jitsu. That's his problem, I think. And if he can solve that problem, and, you know, if, if he can improve on that, uh, Gunnar Nelson can go all the way. But, uh, you know, has he done that enough? Is, is he going to, you know, solve that problem? I'm not sure. But if he can do it against Leon Edwards, he can definitely beat him. But I think the most likely one here is maybe a close decision. But I, I think Leon Edwards might might just uh, might just win this one. Uh, some, yeah, some he's been out for, usually he fights kind of more regularly. Leon Edwards, he fights every like three months. He's been out for what, close to nine or ten months now. So there might be a bit of, like, if you, if you start slow and you end up getting taken down, it's all over pretty quick against Gunnar Nelson, more than likely as well. Like, um, he's going to have to be very cautious at the, uh, not to have a fresh Gunnar Nelson on, on, on his back in the first round. But if he if he can kind of, like, edge out the first round, then then a decision is, is, is kind of within sights. And he's pretty good at, at turning, at, like, you know, okay, he, the guys he fought before uh, before Cerrone, obviously Cerrone's a really good win for him. But uh, the guys he fought before Cerrone don't really offer the the threat the the threat on the ground or on the feet that that a Donald Cerrone does or a Gunnar Nelson does. Yeah. So he's going to have to be careful. And, and I think the first round is going to be telling. Like if 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 Leon Edwards can even just edge out that first round, I think he'll probably win the fight. But I think Gunnar Nelson will, at some stage, get his back probably in the first round. And once he does, he's pretty good with his ground pound uh, from the back and and. Once he once he gets it back, it's pretty much all over as, as long as he has enough time on the clock. Yeah, and there's some for the rest of this card. There's some top top prospects on it. You know, most of the top English prospects before that. You know, he's Dominic Reyes against Vulcan Ozdemir. Reyes is ten and zero at the moment. Ozdemir is coming off of, you know two losses to Anthony Smith and uh, and Daniel Cormier. So that's you know that's a big fight as well. If Dominic Reyes can win that, he's putting himself right in the picture there. A light heavyweight. Then you've Nathaniel Wood. You know, you've uh, Danny Roberts versus Claudio Silva, which is a big fight in that welterweight division as well. John Phillips returning against Jack Marshman. Arnold Allen is back here. Tom Breeze mm-hmm. is back, who to me is one of the top prospects in the world. He's really, really good fighter. Molly McCann is back, former Cage Warriors champion. And Mike Grundy versus Nad Naramani. That's a fight people have been talking about, you know, for a long time and on the local scene. That's opening the card. You could see you could see a lot of people in for that fight as well. That, there's some good fights there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I really like the, obviously, it's Irish, Irish and kind of regional scene influence in there, but the the, the not the good announcement, the Joe Duffy and the Mark Giacchese yeah. fight. Like it's a it's a tough matchup for both of them, kind of in the situations that they're in. But it's a it's a really interesting fight. I, I think obviously Duffy's uh, boxing is gonna is tighter and maybe more, much more tactical boxer boxer. But Jacasey can land big power and he can throw kind of wild shots and he has a bit of wrestling as well. And it's an interesting matchup. Like. It, it's kind of a, a must-win for both guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of leaving that one to, to the end. I suppose it's a good time to bring up, like, to me, these are both kind of very, very similar fighters as well in that, and maybe not similar in the way they fight, but similar in that they're, they're both on the cusp of being really, really good fighters. And especially Mark G. Casey, I think. I think, like, 
when, he, when we saw him coming through in Batman and all like that, you know, he was a lot, of, very good top game and very, very strong, you know, uh, striking, could knock you out with, with one shot. But then he came into the OC and I really thought, like, I thought he was on the path to, to, to championships, to be honest. I really thought he was, he, was, uh, he was on that path. But he took a few tough losses and, you know, kind of got, not found out a bit, but kind of maybe didn't improve and adjust in the way that you need to when you get to the UFC, when there's tape on you and when guys can go back and watch you before they fight you. And I think if he can do that and make those adjustments, he still has the scope to be a top, top championship level fighter. I really do. Uh, and for Joseph Duffy, then, you know, he's always been a solid fighter, you know, and coming back after his time boxing as well, there was a time of adjustment there and moving over to Canada as well. And I think the fruits of that labour might be coming out, uh, you know, around now. He's coming back from this injury as well. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of Joseph Duffy we have in here like overall overall i think i think if jay casey can get this fight to the ground he'll have he'll have an advantage now duffy's good on the ground as well you know i've seen him kind of those, triangles, those uh, iron bar yeah. triangles on the ground as well and but on the field i think duffy's technique might be enough now if there was one big knockout blow it might be for jay casey although duffy can knock out those i think it's a very even fight very very good matchmaking all around uh, who do you think will win it? I'm I'm really unsure about this one. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I I was thinking I was thinking Jacasey when it got announced, but I'm actually thinking Duffy now that it gets closer. I think is Jacasey's kind of got tired in fights. He kind of maybe doesn't use his energy the best. He kind of it, it's hard to know because he, he like both guys are kind of coming back from from kind of. As you said, Jacasey was kind of people thought like, oh, he's going to the top. People kind of thought that about Duffy as well. People yeah. were kind of like, oh, he's beating McGregor, and then he came in, he looked really good, like a couple of first round finishes, like head kick against the uh, who was that against again? Oh God, that Swedish dude, wasn't it? In Cage Warriors? Or no, 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 was, oh, uh, in, oh yeah, in, in the UFC. UFC. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Yeah, and, and he was kind of like they were kind of both on the on the same path or the same kind of people, the same hopes people have for them when they first came into the UFC, and they're they're both kind of in a very similar position. And as you said, it's a very interesting matchup. And at the start, I was thinking Jacasey, but I think Duffy's boxing. If he, as you said, if he. If 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 Jacasey can get takedowns and avoid the kind of the initial the initial triangle attempt and yeah. just kind of get on top, I think he's he'll win. But I don't think he'll go out and try and fight like that. I think he'll he'll go out and kind of be happy enough to strike, and I think that will cause trouble. And Duffy Duffy can win that way. Uh, but I wouldn't be confident betting on either guy here. Mm-hmm. I think this could be a fight at night. I real, think, I think real, yeah, it's a real, it's a real, it's a real one that could go a number of ways. Like hundred percent. Uh, all right, let's move on. Paul Hughes returned after I think it was almost two years out. Uh, to win over Stephen O'Neill at the weekend up at Cage Conflict, I believe that was a good card with a lot of a lot of guys from around this area on it. But Paul Hughes was kind of you know we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and Andy Stevenson talked to him this week uh, in, in an interview. And I don't know if you saw the fight, but he came out straight away. You know, Paul Hughes in his last fight, you know, I talked to him a few weeks ago, and you know, I said you know you're obviously a very good striker, and what's the kind of the rest of your game like? Because I I watched these old fights and stuff, and he was like, yeah, and my old fights kind of going back looking at him, I'm kind of a little bit embarrassed <laughs> to look at myself, but I've improved and an all round game. And, you know, that that's grand to say but to go out and actually do it you know he, his last fight he came out and he threw hands and, and knocked the guy out pretty quickly this time he came out underneath straight away didn't throw one punch came underneath took the, took his opponent to the ground beat him up with elbows and finished it I, I, I don't know was it the doctor stoppage late it was hard to see it was a very grainy kind of uh, kind of stream but he got the finish anyway towards the end of of round one and obviously moves to 2-0 coming back after those injuries it's great to see Paul Hughes back isn't it 
Yeah, it is. I think in one of his video, he did like a video blog a, probably a year ago at this stage, and he was saying that he broke his hand so many times that the doctor was saying like, you know, you got to pack this fighting in, and obviously he's he's driven to to get to get through it and come back, and um, maybe a little bit of of not standing on the feet is to do with his hands. I don't know, or maybe it is just to prove that he can that he's not the. He's not the same on the ground as as in the footage he's embarrassed about from his old amateur fights. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you don't know why that is, but I think hopefully he hasn't broken anything anything in his hand or his hand in this fight and he's, he's able to go again because he is a very exciting prospect. I'm just kind of wary of getting too excited and kind of it builds pressure. Like I think we like the kind of MMA f- fans in Ireland kind of put too much pressure on people like... Mm-hmm. Like Curtis and uh, Tuke and people like that and Malambo and all these other guys, um, Pato in in Team Rhino, you know all these guys. Um, so I'm kind of like it's two and zero. Obviously, he's he's looked really impressive, but it is kind of same with Gary Ian Gary. It's, it's 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 hard to get too excited about them because it is very early. We haven't really seen that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, oh, yeah, of course, one hundred percent. You know, we always talk about it. But people are very <laughs> excited about Hughes, though. People mm-hmm. got very excited very quickly. Like, and it's, it was hard not to with his with his huge performance in in Bama a couple of years back. Yeah. So, but time will tell, and there'll probably be a few setbacks, and people will probably be like, "Oh, he's terrible when he loses." But it's how you react to adversity, like breaking your hand all the time. He's reacted well, so in all likelihood, if he does lose, he'll probably react well as well. Like, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a long way to go, but he's definitely got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. Yeah, 100%. I think, like, we have to get excited about guys like this. You know, when you see exciting guys coming out, especially a guy like that who wins two fights excellently in two different ways, you can't help but be, be excited about that. And, you know, he's definitely a top prospect. Now, he might, you know, and it's not just Paul Hughes, any, any prospect, you know, they might get a bad injury and, you know, they might be out for three years and you might never see him fight again or they might lose three in a row and, you know, they, they don't don't get signed or whatever. That that's, can always happen, but, you know, it, it, you could go all the way as well. So you just never know. And look, great win by, by Paul Hughes and fair play to him. And, uh, you know, it's good, good to see him back, obviously, yeah. after sometimes two years. Sometimes guys that, like, like kind of, like, don't stand out at amateur most of their amateur career like Reese McKee like you're kind of like uh, the last couple of fights of his amateur career you were like oh he's really improved he's really putting it together and then you know he's he's probably done the best out of all the prospects so far that kind of came through in, in that group in that group that generation of Irish MMA fighters mm-hmm. so sometimes it can it, it can click together and if it, if it starts clicking even more for for one of these guys like uh, Curtis or Chuke or Hughes or any of these guys then all of a sudden you, you can get excited, but we just haven't seen enough to. Well, you can get excited, but you haven't seen enough to be like this guy's a legit prospect. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do you think about Polly Malinagi versus versus Artem Lavov in bare knuckle boxing? Are you are you in for this? Do you want to see this happening? Oh, I definitely watch that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good word. The, for it. Hilarious is the word, isn't it? Just the, just the whole thing or the whole circus around it would be would be hilarious as well, and it'd be huge for the the promotion as well. Like yeah. having boxing people and MMA people watching this I think it would do really well if, if, if they put it together yeah how, how many pay-per-view buys do you think it'll do over on Fight TV at what 20 quid a, a pop how many people have access to Fight TV you can just get on the internet like download the app people need to have things on their TV though don't they a lot of people to, yeah. to order them I suppose you can get it like on Fire Stick and Chromecast and shit I suppose I yeah but a lot of people like think that that's like they think downloading the torrent is like so complicated like you know yeah that's true but then like, when it comes to streaming there it's I think it could probably do, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand maybe. 
that maybe that's a lot. But if they if they did like what did Chuck and Tito do? I think it was like sixty thousand or something, was it, or eighty thousand mm. or something like that? Yeah, I think it would do a lot more than that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like it'd be good. Like <laughs> no. a McGregor tweet goes out about it, and then like who knows? Yeah, like it. It could either absolutely ruin the whole promotion because they pay, you know, they maybe bought lads too much, or it could make the promotion because they they sell lots. It probably ruin it, <laughs> but I like I don't think this bare knuckle boxing will be around for too long, to be honest. But you know, if you're Artem and Polly and you're like they're giving you all this money, like yeah, grand, <laughs> you ruin your promotion. Just give me all that money and you know, fine, because I don't think it'll be around that long. But yeah, no, it won't be. It won't. Who, who, who do you think could win, Polly or, or Artem Bernacle? But you'd have to favor Polly, wouldn't you? Because it's just yeah, you think Polly would have to win in a, in a boxing match. But I watched it before; I just can't remember. Like you're not able to throw elbows or anything like that, are you? No, it's just boxing. Yeah, straight up boxing. And spinning back fists or anything like that. Or... Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's just Queensbury rules with no gloves. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, before we get to the questions, what about this this Brazil card coming up? Looks pretty good, doesn't it? Aldo versus Volkanovski, uh, Andrade uh, versus Roslam Yunus for the, for her belt. Two pretty good fights there. What, what what do you think about those fights? I'd have to. Uh, I think uh, Nami Yunus will win, but I'd have to. I'd have to go back and watch uh, Volkanovski before making a decision. But yeah, me too. Uh, like it'd be hard to pick against Aldo. Without, but like I might watch the tape and be like, oh, this is change my mind. But I, like without without a preliminary pick, let's say, is Aldo. Yeah, I think I'm just pulling up the odds here. I think uh, Andrade is favorite actually. Yeah, she is. Andrade is favorite to beat Rosnamiunas. What really? Yeah, she is. She's minus one seventy. Rosnamiunas is plus one forty, which is a bit surprising to me. That's very surprising. Yeah. What's that about? What's that all about? Yeah, so that could be that could be worth backing. But that you know, it's a good fight. I think there's another big fight as well. I just can't give it now at the moment. But oh no, it's Anderson Silva versus um Jared Cannonier. So yeah, pretty good card for the the Brazilian fight fa- fight fans even. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And obviously, we'll talk uh, a lot more about it when it uh, when it comes up. All right, let's get to the questions here. Uh, if your question isn't answered here, I'll be answering it over on Patreon. It'll be out Tuesday morning, seven a.m. Um, so sign up patreon.com forward slash severe May podcast. If you haven't signed up, please do now. Um, we have a as I mentioned earlier, career retrospective about it. What a half an hour, forty five minute podcast on Jose Aldo's career it was really fun. We've a few other ones up as well. We've one on Forrest Griffin. We've one on Anderson Silva. We the rewatch every week. I go back and watch all fights last week I had the two fights I had Ben Askren and, and Robbie Lawler and Johnny Walker's <laughs> win as well and I had a Ben Askren fight the week before that and there's loads of fights I think there's like I think it's just one year now um, we've, we've been on Patreon so there's about 50 or 60 rewatches up there so you can get all of those for one fiver so the price of a pint per month for one month you can get all those old podcasts I think there's probably like 400 podcasts up there now at this stage or something like that and, and 50 rewatches and this, we'll have the state of the UFC address as well in the next couple of weeks and uh, UK MMA podcasts and everything like that as well I must get a guest for that on so anyone you want us to get on as a guest shout us out we'll get them on and uh, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast or severe forward slash points p-i-n-t-s you can sign up there thanks very much okay questions here uh, from patreon Sean Dinney do you think Nicholas Alby working his way back to the UFC yeah obviously we, we discussed that earlier on I, I I think Nicholas Alby is kind of is kind of happy enough in Cage Warriors for the time being, and that might be a good thing because if he can get three or four more fights in and maybe a few wins, the Cage Warriors kind of money though. Yeah, that could be an issue as well. What's Cage Warriors money like? You know, people are kind of willing to take the Cage Warriors money when they're up and coming, trying to get to the UFC originally because there's a proven track record there of 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 guys kind of graduating. You can nearly say from from there. with Graham Bonin's blessing as their manager a lot of the time. So there's kind of a path there, but 
now I wonder what he's getting paid here because uh, is he drawing eyes and and um, bums on seats? I don't think so. Not really. Like, you know, these up-and-coming guys who were kind of never been in the UFC before, people can kind of get excited and be, oh, what would he look like against this guy in the, in the UFC or what would he look like against this guy? Mm-hmm. When you've kind of already seen him in the UFC and you know he's not the upper echelon, the kind of excitement kind of simmers down a bit. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know what, the, what what cage warriors are paying him, but UFC probably wouldn't pay him a lot either. So it's 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 hard to know. He must be getting paid pretty well to, to go to cage warriors because he'd probably make a lot more money kind of going out to like a KSW, for example, and kind yeah. of fighting against against uh, a known quantity of theirs. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's hard to know what the contract situation is. But I'm sure he. I'm sure, uh, like like most fighters, he he probably like to be in the UFC again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Tickney asked then about this whole Conor McGregor Cobra thing. Have you seen this? You know, there was rumors going around that okay. Dave Meltzer actually I was listening to his podcast and he said they wanted to make the fight for April here pretty soon. And I think McGregor turned that down. He said he reported it because it was too soon, obviously, which is is fair enough. And then they wanted to make it for June for I believe International Fight Week or one of the big cards around then anyway as the co-main event. And that did a lot of people are saying McGregor didn't want the co-main event. Um, and uh, you know, obviously everyone is saying if that is true, what are the UFC thinking? Just make it the no, main that event. Can't be true, like, like, it, uh, yeah, to me, it sounds just ridiculous. Like it, it makes it makes no sense. Like if you've the biggest draw in the history of the sport, you have to put him in the main, main event. Like this is this just makes no sense. And like even Meltzer was saying on the podcast, like if if that was the case, they wouldn't say okay, yeah, you can be main event. <laughs> like that's the that's the first thing you can say. Like you know, it's. It, to me, like, do, do, you, do you see any logic behind this, or is this just maybe negotiations from the UFC or whatever? Yeah, it's, it doesn't sound true, yeah. <laughs> any of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, the thing about it is, well, maybe maybe Cerrone is getting a little bit anxious about it as well. Maybe, you know, obviously we've seen it in the past when, when McGregor in the UFC and, you know, a lot of the big fighters, Brock Lesnar as well, kind of get into these negotiations. <laughs> There's always a bit of a back and forth and one guy comes out in the media and says one thing and the other guy comes out and says the other thing. And maybe Cerrone's thinking, oh, this is never going to happen. Let me just take another fight or whatever because Cerrone's one of those type of guys and maybe, oh, the, UFC, usually, yeah, yeah. maybe the UFC will be happy enough to say, all right, sure, take a fight. We, we can always find someone else anyway, even if you lose and if you win, it's, it makes it even stronger. So maybe that's the case. But to me, I never bought that, that comment of inting for, for a second. Like it, it makes, it just makes no sense. Like, okay, you could, you could buy, okay, maybe McGregor did say, I don't want to, fight in the co-main event but like if he did say that wouldn't you think the UFC would just straight away go okay you can fight in the main event or you know we'll move you a month forward and we won't have you on international fight because we want to belt in international fight week we'll have you a month after so we'll have two huge pay-per-views two months in a row you know that that seems like a, a logical uh, a logical movement or you know even to make him the, the well like if the UFC did say to Connor or we're fighting the coming event the UFC would, would probably be losing out on pay-per-view money because yeah. and Connor be losing out on pay-per-view money and it would be a like if if somebody, for example, like doesn't sound plausible, but somebody from the UFC comes in with a contract for coming event, it, can't, it would be stupid for for everybody involved. So it would be, I don't think it did happen, but <clears throat> maybe it did. But I, I have no idea, no inside knowledge or anything. But uh, you do tell us, for sake. It just sounds it just sounds untrue. And if if it was offered, it is stupid, and it should have been turned down because it, it makes no sense to yeah. have the the, the draw the the drawingest. The drawing is oh, there's a new word. <laughs> the winning, the draw, the drawingest uh, fighter, the history of the UFC in the co-main event just is, is 
madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirty two over on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram uh, at Severe Podcast, I believe. Yeah, he asks, "How do you see a potential Francis versus JDS fight playing out?" Obviously, that's a fight we'll we'll break down a lot more if, if it actually happens. But to me, I think that's that's largely a stand up fight with JDS trying to avoid the big shot and trying to make it a technical boxing match, and then Francis just trying to land that one big shot using his jab, using you know, using his lint. I think Francis would probably win that fight because he'd probably land that big shot. You know, we talked about JDS coming back. Know, like, do you not think so? I think so, probably. But I think JDS, like, if he can get out of the first round, like, obviously, that's a big if. It's a huge if in a Francis Ngannou fight. Mm-hmm. Out of the first even couple of minutes. But he, he's the more technical fighter. And, and Ngannou didn't react well to get to getting hit. Um, Like, it was, it was, okay, it was two fights ago, but it was like, what, like, a minute ago in in fight time, mm-hmm. so there's still some questions there. Like I wouldn't, like I would have been confident in picking Ganu before that horrific performance in Ganu had three fights ago. But I'm still that's still a little bit in the back of my mind. It's a good point. In fairness, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, a few from Twitter here, Connery eighty three. Do you consider winning a Cage Warriors belt a world title? No, no, no obviously not. Um, no offense to Cage Warriors, it's just anything yeah. but the UFC is is. Just not really the world title. Yeah, like someone, I think it was uh, Sean Dean asked over on over on uh, on Patreon as well. It's not like Pride back in the day where you could make a case, like a pretty yeah, good case. You can't make a case. Like, you can't make a case for like the Bama title or the even the Bellator title, like the Cage Warrior title, any of them. Yeah, like Sean Dean asked, should they introduce European titles or Bellator? Think about that. Like to me, the Cage Warriors and Bama titles. Are, are European titles like that's what they are and there's nothing wrong like winning a Cage Warriors title or a Bama title back in the day that's, gr- that's a great reward like that's huge you know we remember McGregor winning those titles we remember Siri winning them or Dalby or Pindred or whoever you know they're, they're great but to call them world titles just makes a bit of a laugh of them to be honest because everyone knows they're not world titles but there's nothing wrong with that you know it's like you know winning, winning the, the League Cup is great and winning the FA Cup is great but you know you're not the best team in England when you do that or you know you're not the best team in the world when you do that but it's still great like there's an absolutely not. You know, you got some good, some good kids in your squad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, okay, one or two more here. Mr. Podge, JDS has won three in a row now. Um, and a couple more people actually asked this as well. Robert Burke asked it, do you think he can get another title shot? It, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah, I think he could. Yeah, he definitely could. But would he be champion again? You never know in every way, but... Probably will get another title shot before it's before he calls it a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, last question here: Kiwi father has asked about five times to talk about uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. How what's, what's your rating of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so far? How how excellent has he been as Manchester United caretaker manager? Um, I haven't seen all that much. Like the one game that I actually watched ninety minutes of was the the Burnley game. Uh, <laughs> that we lost or drew, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I need to watch more. Maybe maybe that's I need to watch more and they'll they'll struggle but um i watched the first psg match kind of i watched the, f- the first half on a plane and was on the phone to you i think as the second the second half was happening mm-hmm. um and then i i, I watched uh when my when i made a mind the, the second leg against psg and obviously it was a great result and all but they did like it was kind of fuck-ups that get, led to their goals or mistakes that led to their goals. It wasn't exactly a brilliant performance that people are kind of making it out to be like. And obviously, he, he, he had, to, had to come into a less less than ideal situation and he's done really well. But I'd be pleased if, if he if he was appointed as, a, as the manager. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think like they, they could do better uh, in Pochettino if they could get him. But 
maybe the because Solskjaer has done pretty well, even though I think like the kind of or Chelsea and Arsenal have kind of just blown it really more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like Man United have obviously gone on a good a good streak against against teams they should have won they should have won against, and they've beaten Spurs and drawn with Liverpool. So now they've qualified for the for the Champions League next round. So you can't really argue with the results, and it does make sense to give him the job. But I'd be as a Liverpool fan, I'd be pleased if he got the job. Yeah. I prefer him than Pochettino, definitely. I must get I must get Phil on during the week. We were actually talking about it there recently. We must do a do a podcast, maybe do it in the next week. If you're there, Phil, hit me up. because uh, <laughs> I'm always useless doing that. But like to me, what I've obviously watched all the games. Like when he came in at first, there was just a total change. We're playing excellent passing football, absolutely brilliant stuff for a while. And then the three or four matches they, they were just knocking out results, got good results, but not playing great football. And then all the players got injured. You know, Herrera, Matic, um, Martial, Mata, Rashford was carrying an injury. Pogba got suspended for the last game. And it's just been, they've been digging it out as well. And it's been tough. And that PSG performance with fucking Pereira, McTominay and Fredge in midfield. Just, you know, brilliant. You know, you have to say, he he's definitely improved them in terms of mentality and in terms of caring and, in, in, you know, bringing them back to be like Manchester United are with heart and young players and, you know, the, the soul of Man United. But still, I, I don't think he's brought back what you need to be a top team. I don't think he has that, like... You know, that, that Pep Guardiola, just brilliant player. You know, Klopp when they're in their pump last year, maybe. Not so much this year. Klopp is doing maybe similar thing to what Solskjaer is actually doing by just getting out results, but, you know, having the kind of team behind him. But I don't know how long that can last. You know, and that that's a difficult thing. Like, Klopp has done a great job and done it maybe all this season when Liverpool haven't been at their best. And that's that's not an insult. That's actually a compliment. Uh, but how long can Solskjaer get it done? Or can he bring in, like, the really good player behind it? I suppose that's a big thing we, we'll find out. I know they're playing Arsenal today, more- so they could lose, but as well. So, with yeah. Klopp, I think it's more he's he's he decided to be kind of more measured and kind of a slower build up and not to be so gung ho. It's kind of like a decision from the start of the start of the season. It's more of a you know okay, it's 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 exciting, but it's get more lads, risky football. Get lads to buy into that though as well is the to- is the tough part, isn't it? When like they're playing this great football with the, the front three just yeah. going gung ho to get the front three to play like that as well. That that's tough, I think, and that's you know it's, yeah, it's when you have Van Dyke back there, like uh, he's just so good. He's Van Dyke, he's, yeah. he's, he's even better than he was at at at, at um. Southampton and he was absolutely brilliant at Southampton now he's just he's just, he's just unbelievable he's the best defender I've ever seen by a good bit uh, and and he, obviously Mignolet and Carrius are not like Mignolet especially is a horrific goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, and having Alisson back there like you know uh, all goalkeepers make mistakes or whatever but like you know he's just saves that he should make he makes 95% or 99% of the time when Mignolet was you know 30% of the time mm-hmm. it's I a huge see- difference I don't think he's that good, uh, Alison. He's he's good, but he's like a hundred times better than Minule. <laughs> like even like if Minule is making ten mistakes or fucking fifteen mistakes in a season, he's probably making five, which is still a lot compared to like a De Gea or a top top goalkeeper. But it's such an improvement on what they what they had before. It's just made him so much better. Obviously, Van Dijk as well as you have to say he's the best defender in the world at the moment. Chris Smalling is pushing him now, but just uh, <laughs> <laughs> see Chris Smalling against PSG. He was phenomenal. He's been really great recently as well. I called it. I yeah, always said, like, you know, once, once you get Joe Gomez back there, fit like beside Van Dyke, like that was like they weren't conceding goals at all. They were looking brilliant with that combination. And obviously, Matip is a good fourth choice. Matip's a good fourth, defender. I always fourth or Matip fifth choice centre back, but you know, obviously, it's not ideal to have to play your fourth or fifth choice centre back. Mm-hmm. Like Lovren, obviously, uh, 
is 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 a good player, but is he's likely to his head to, like he'd be flawless for four games in a row, but then just completely cock up for like twenty minutes and just ruin like throw away three points in a game. So obviously Joe Gomez is much more relaxed and um better passer and, and uh, okay maybe Lovren's better at heading but Gomez's kind of weakness has been heading at, uh, throughout his career at Liverpool mm-hmm. but he's kind of recently he's kind of improved that. I think beside Van Dijk he's like, Van Dijk is a good communicator as well he kind of lets everybody know where to be and everybody trusts what he says because he's so good yeah. and you just need people like that you know you don't really have that leader at the back because like usually it's either your keeper or your centre back but when when Lovren's telling you what to do after he just made three mistakes in two minutes like you're not really going to listen yeah all right everybody there's a little bit of a severe soccer snippet there to, to, to end the podcast we'll we'll have another one hopefully over on patreon in the, in the next couple of weeks anyway and hopefully man united beat arsenal today although i'm not that confident right now about it but sure by the time you're listening to this podcast everyone will probably know the results so there you go anyway. all right everybody thanks for listening we won't give you the promo we already gave it to you um to all to end here all we have to do is give you the inspirational quote of the week Take control of your emotions before emotions take control of you. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or probably Sunday.